Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panotto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going pretty well, Nick. How are you? I'm doing just fine today. That's... just felt like saying it like that, I guess. Well, I mean, that's how you say it when you're doing just fine. I guess. Yeah. I assume you have seen some movies this week. I saw one movie. And oh, it was really? a movie that you told me I had to watch. And it's called <laughs> Brigsby Bear. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I also watched Brigsby Bear. I know you did. <laughs> you better have. I saw two movies this week. Oh. One was, one was Brigsby Bear. Uh-huh. And the other is a movie you told me to watch called get out oh finally i can stop recommending it i don't even care whether you liked it or not at this point <laughs> i'm just glad i don't have to keep telling you to watch it i guess this is going to be a spoilery episode Hell yeah. so i get if you haven't seen brigsby bear or get out we're gonna we're gonna spoil them because we've both now seen them i suspect um, some of you have seen get out i kind of suspect none of you have seen brigsby bear <laughs> Everyone should watch Brigsby Bear. Well, I'll go How ahead and spoil things it? a little bit. I don't think everyone should watch it, but I think people who like unique and strange movies should. Yes. And everyone should see Get Out. It was quite good. I'll agree with that. All right. Now, from here on out, spoiler town. Yeah. Population two, two, at least. Two. Yeah, two. A population, however many of you are listening. <laughs> so many. Plus us. Oh, Shh, population... Let's... Brazil. Thank you, Brazil. Number four. Woo-hoo. Get uh, that number right. three slot. Let's yeah. start with Brigsby Bear. Yes. I adored this movie. I thought this was the best thing ever. I loved it so much. <laughs> when it was over, I was saying to my wife, I loved that. I loved it. I loved it. And she forced me to watch it, too. She was like, we're going to watch this movie because the poster for it was really bad. Uh-huh. It's like a it's like a bad 80s school photo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I do not want to watch this movie because the description of it. If you haven't seen this movie and you would like to watch like a quirky kind of drama comedy just turn us off now and go watch that movie because i feel like going into it completely blind is the best way to go into it maybe i don't know if you need to be in it completely blind i don't i don't know well if you want to be completely blind don't listen to the next line if you want to be slightly less blind i'll tell you one thing that i think might help it's not gonna get very dark that's my anti-warning it's it's true i agree I, i mean i And I guess we're moving into things here because I'm going to say like, I got a vibe from this movie that was slightly, slightly similar to the movie Super and slightly similar to the movie. What was that? Like Robo Boy or something like that? Turbo Boy. Turbo Kid. Yeah, there you go. Turbo Kid. And it was off because those movies both get very dark at points, especially Mm -hmm. Super. And I, throughout most of this movie, was waiting for that to happen. Uh Each time something came up where I'm like, oh, no, this could go really badly. This must be where the movie's going to get extremely dark. And it doesn't happen, which is, I think, good because it's it's actually just kind of cute. And I think I might have enjoyed it more if... I kind of knew that if, if I realized that like, oh, this isn't actually about to turn into something where I see someone's head split in half <laughs> laying on the ground, because uh, honestly, I, I really was waiting for that most of the time. And part of that might be the tone of those other movies. And part of it may be that you told me to watch this. And I, I walked in very ready to 
never watch anything you suggest me to watch again because I was, <laughs> I was I was expecting it to be something that you went through miserably and that you just didn't want to be the only one in misery's town. So I was like, all right, I'll do it because I asked you to change our schedule slightly. <laughs> but it ended up just being pretty innocent and lighthearted. And I guess uh, why don't we go ahead and tell folks what it's actually about? All right. So it is a movie from 2017. It is directed by Dave McCary, and it stars Kyle Mooney. Mark Hamill is in this movie. Gary, no, Greg Kinnear. A few other recognizable faces, a couple UCB people, and it's it's almost a Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, is that what Andy Samberg's from? I don't think he's from UCB, but he's from SNL, which is where a lot of the other people in this movie are from. Like okay. Beck Bennett is in this, and it's produced by Lonely Island, who is Andy Samberg's band slash, I guess, production company. They make movies and stuff for Netflix. And I had no idea that this ever even existed until we came across it. And I love Lonely Island. I think they're the best. And so when I saw, when when, when the production companies are going across the screen and then there's like the fake Sony classic pictures and it says lonely island i was like lonely island is lonely an island involved in this and they they are they produced it as i just said anyway so it starts out you have no idea what time it is or what time period it is it feels like it's 1985 and you're like okay so it's 1985 this older kid who looks like he's like 20 maybe 20 plus he is a little off and his family seems a little off and he's really into this tv show called brigsby bear and when i say really into it there's nothing else in the world to this kid and he's obsessed with it to the point where it's like it's like hurting his his quote-unquote mom <laughs> and and his dad is just totally into it and his 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 first dad, I guess we'll call him, because we said we're doing spoilers, so there yeah. you go. His first dad is Mark Hamill, and they're just talking absolute nonsense for like the first 10 minutes of this movie where you're just, my mouth was just open, and I could not believe what was going, I was like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> I was like, I, I was just so confused. Well, it's, it's pretty then, clear. I mean, it is nonsense and you don't know, you, you don't know what the context of it all is, but it is yeah. pretty clear while they're talking jargon that it has to do with the fantasy world in this show that the kid's obsessed with. Yeah. Well, well then they start talking about math problems and stuff too. Like, I guess he's really good at math and then they show them at dinner and they do like a weird prayer and handshake and I'm and I was like, what is going on? And then the turn happens when Mark Hamill comes in to to tell the son, hey, why don't you come upstairs to the to the dock or the deck with me and we'll we'll have a little chat. And you're like, OK, and we go up. We go upstairs, not out to a lake, but to like an overhead glass dome. Yeah, it's almost like a like a greenhouse of sorts. Yeah, like it's not all like, about plants, but it's got that whole like this whole thing like a is bio glass. Like a biodome kind yeah. of thing. I guess the idea is supposed to be that they're in a hermetically sealed bunker, like 10 Cloverfield Lane. 
a little bit where something terrible has happened to the world and these people live underground like in the Fallout video games. And you're like, oh, this is like a post-apocalyptic movie. Now, again, remember, I didn't know anything about this going into it. So I am just as cold. I'm just trying to build this world as the movie's showing it to me. And then Mark Hamill starts talking about the Rocco bugs or something like that. And it cuts to these like light bulbs on sticks that are like going back and forth. Like animatronics in yeah, a it's like, uh, like Disney a, World. Yeah, exactly. Like a Disney World ride or something. It's, there's like a fox that's just kind of it's got one like, movement it's making. It like moves its mouth and its leg. And I was like, oh, it's some sort of scam that these guys are running. And then the next morning... Mark Hamill leaves to go to work, but before he leaves, he puts on like a gas mask and then gets into his car and drives away. And you're like, what? And then five minutes later, it's it's nighttime of the next night or something, and the police show up and well, rescue him. Well, hang on, hang on, because uh, I'm going to interrupt. If, if you're going to go through the plot beat by beat, I'm going to interrupt here and there to, to just kind of throw in Please. some of the things I noticed and wondered about. And, and right there, I think it's relevant that the, the kid is outside, the quote unquote kid. At this point, he's like gone outside of this dome and he has to wear a gas mask because he's expecting the air to be poisoned. Right. Um, yeah, he expects the air to be toxic. Yeah. Kind of raised some questions for me because it seemed a bit like he's sneaking out, but it seems a bit like it's something he's done before too. Yeah. Um, it, you could tell he's done it plenty of times. Yeah. And, and in retrospect, I found myself wondering, was there any clue at all or do they explain at any point how the police figured out where he is there is like a dropped line where okay. someone says they saw him that like that day when the dad goes out yeah the dad's going out to make the show and someone sees him go into a warehouse and one thing leads to another and that's how they fought fo- they followed him back to his house and then they found him there oh okay okay and that's that's what I, that's how i figured it out is how like the whole thing fell apart is someone just saw him out and i guess they were looking for them okay um okay but so the police barge in a whole like swat team come in and kyle mooney who plays what's his character's name james i don't know any of the characters names yeah his name is james and mark hamill and his wife are telling him how much they love him and just remember what we told you you know blah 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 we love you we love you and the police are like get down on the ground and then someone puts a blanket around kyle mooney and they take him outside and they put him in a police car and he's so confused he's so out of this world confused and so are you as a viewer and you're like what is going on See, and then I he says i didn't feel at that point like it was confusing anymore like i felt like and maybe this is just because my mind made a connection there between this and like kimmy schmidt um the unbreakable kimmy schmidt where oh. for listeners like it's a girl who's been trapped in a bunker with a couple other girls by this like cult leader dude and i kind of got the same thing right there where i was like oh okay so he's been kidnapped and yeah. he thinks it's a, you know, the world's poisonous and clearly it's not, you know, like it's been a lie or like Cloverfield where it's like, of course, at Cloverfield in the end, the twist is that it wasn't a lie, but like it kind of seemed that way to me right there. And throughout the movie, 
this is, and I guess this is one of my knocks on the movie, but none of the knocks really matter too much because it's got this sort of fantastical feel, kind of like a movie like uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Suzu, where it's like, okay, normal rules of the world and normal social stuff don't really apply. Because I kind of felt like there are moments in the movie where I expect him to be more confused. Mm-hmm. And and this was sort of one of them where he, he, he expects the air to be poisonous. But he doesn't freak out quite as much as I would expect someone to. Like, the cops are like, no, the air's fine. Here, I'm going to put the window down. And he's like, ah! Yeah. But then he kind of chills out. And I'm like, I think I would be kicking and punching things and be like, what are you doing? And he sort of does. Um, and I'm not knocking the, the acting or anything. I just, it's, it's definitely one thing that throughout the movie, I'm like, huh, I expected that to be a bit more frightening for the guy. Like he, mm-hmm. he tends throughout the movie to accept things more quickly and more easily than I anticipate. But then again, I was expecting someone's head to get it blown off or something. So, <laughs> yeah. So basically, we find out that when Kyle Mooney or James was an infant, Mark Hamill's wife kidnapped him and he's been with mark hamill and his wife living in this underground bunker basically hiding from the world for the last 20 years and and then the movie kind of goes from there where like the kid gets introduced to his real family and it's from this point where i was like i just kept expecting and this is this is why the movie i felt like was was surprising to me or why i think i really liked it is that at no point during this movie does anyone betray him the cool dude that he becomes friends with and the the kid he starts telling him he's like oh man yeah brigsby bear is so cool like where he's like into it i just kept expecting there to be cliche after cliche where we would find out that the friend didn't really like Brigsby Bear. He thought it was terrible and he was just screwing around with him. Or... Yeah, like it's just a mean-spirited sort of right. hoax. And or that's... Like once they start making a show that like he's just going to rip him off and like be like, all right, I'm going to make a bunch of money off of this idea. Yeah, you just keep expecting that to happen mm-hmm. and it never does. And it's it was just so refreshing where I was like, oh, okay, these people are people. And even the sequence when they're filming that explosive when that bomb goes off and they're like driving away and the guy and the bomb explodes and then he gets out of the car and he's like we were driving around with a bomb all day and he's just so mad at his friend but then like he gets over it but even when the police the police show up and he just puts his hands up because he's uh it's like a joke because he's black and he's just like oh the cops are here i'm I'm gonna do whatever he says and then kyle mooney who's white and doesn't know anything just walks towards the cops wearing wearing a bear suit (laughs) yelling everything's fine while this bomb literally went off behind them and he gets tackled by the police and you're just like oh okay and that's a moment where i was like oh this is where someone's head gets shot off yeah nope the only character that i didn't really care for was claire danes who was the therapist or the social worker and she was the one who seemed the most impatient of anyone and i found that kind of obnoxious where I was like, the movie doesn't really explain to you how much time has passed since he gets rescued and when the end of the movie happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel I like I got the impression easily... of a couple weeks. Yeah, I get that too, but I also think it could be like a year. Like a year has gone by. There's a moment where, and this is later on in the movie, where he gets hospitalized. Yeah. And it's not exactly a montage, but there are a couple like kind of quick cuts. And and in that, like where all of a sudden he, he and Andy Samberg are 
kind of friends. And and I got the impression there that like, oh, maybe a, a bigger chunk of time has passed here. It could have been a few months or something because he's sort of not quite at home there, but it seems implied that he's been there a while. Yeah. And also, if it's only been a couple of weeks or even just a couple of months, the fact that everyone gets fed up with him so quickly is unreasonable, where the guy's got no social norms whatsoever. And the therapist is the one who's saying, you need to get over this bullshit. <laughs> and he's like, I just want to watch Brigsby Bear. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot with her where I'm like, I guess this is just, uh, okay, so as, as as someone in the mental health field, <laughs> I, it's, uh-huh. I gotta say, like, there are very few representations of psychologists and therapists and social workers that are accurate, at least to any good clinician. And this is one of those moments where I think this movie does a pretty good job of not with the therapist, but with with people around him kind of illustrating, uh-huh. like taking the audience into his perspective a bit. Yeah. And then as people respond to him, it's like, man, come on, people, you are really not, you're expecting him to do things on your terms. And he's been brainwashed for 25 years. So to that degree, I'm like, wow, you know, this movie does a pretty good job of putting us in our shoes where we can see that the parents, the actual biological parents mm-hmm. care about him, but they're walking into the situation with their 20 some years of effort trauma. And, yeah. And they're like, Hey man, we've been caring about you this whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but none of that. He hasn't been there for any of that. You idiots. Yeah. He doesn't know who you are. And instead of the therapist translating any of of that, which by the way, that whole thing never becomes the sort of conflict it should. <laughs> like mm-hmm. none of the conflicts, I can appreciate that it's refreshing that they're not cliche, but they also just never get to where they would in the real world. So, like the parents and he never really get into a super fight, other than just being like, "Yeah, we're going to put him in the hospital," and that is just sort of glossed over, and it's a short part of the movie anyway. But instead of having therapist who's like, "Okay, well, I get this a little bit better than the parents," she's even worse. <laughs> like, yeah, she's she's just she's like, the most impatient. Yeah, she definitely is like, hey, look, dude, here's reality. And I'm going to treat you as though you should be able to understand that and process it. And there's just no at no point in this movie does anyone go, hey, let's come up with a plan for transitioning this guy. It's just like, hey, this is how the world is out here. Welcome to it. And it's it's weird. Yeah. I mean, I think it's on purpose, but it's it's strange. And yeah. Claire Danes, uh, as much as I kind of had a crush on her in like high school years and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I enjoy looking at her, <laughs> um, I do <laughs> not – I don't think I care much for her acting. I haven't seen her in, in a ton of stuff, but when I have, I've been like, I'm not sure – it maybe has to, something to do with the roles she's in, but I'm like, I'm not sure, or just with me, but I'm like, I'm not sure I enjoy her performances. And and here I'm like, I don't know if this is how she's portraying this character or if it's just a, a, as it's written in the script. You know what I mean? And I don't know if yeah. you have the same experience or not. I didn't care for her in this movie. I don't think it's her fault. Okay. I think I think she did okay. I, I also have not seen very much Claire Danes other than watching My So-Called Life in high school and then a couple movies here and there. But apparently she's supposed to be very good on that Homeland show, but I have not seen one second okay. of that show. But I guess she's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, maybe I've just people, kind of seen her like in odd her. roles and maybe it is just the way this was written. When, when she first shows up, it's kind of like a behind the head, kind of three quarters shot of her. And my wife and I both thought it was Gwyneth Paltrow. And we're like, See, wow, for a moment, I Gwyneth thought it was Paltrow Scarlett Johansson. Movie? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see either, either one of those, like 
the movie's got some pretty big ish stars. Like I could, I could see them showing up as like a favor to Andy Samberg or something. Mm-hmm. I really liked Greg Kinnear in this movie. Oh yeah. Me too. I, I like him from almost the beginning when, when he's in the police station after he gets rescued and he thinks he's under arrest or he's in prison or just to be clear when the, the kid gets rescued and Greg Kinnear's a police officer before they introduce him to his family. He says, you've been missing for 20 years. Those aren't your parents. But Greg Kinnear is the guy who has to like break the world for him where he's like, those weren't your parents. They stole you. And you're going to meet your new parents. But before we get there, did you get molested? And the guy's like, nah, this, this no, isn't about that. He's like, yeah, they touched me. <laughs> they would like shake my hands and stuff. And Greg Kinnear's like, okay, well, here's a Coke. Brought to you by Coca-Cola, no this kidding. movie was. <laughs> taste and, this um, magical elixir. <laughs> you want to taste something delicious? How about a refreshing Coca-Cola? And, you know, I was like, that's that's pretty funny as far as product placement goes. And also, when you're trying to, like, win a kid over, a sugary treat usually works. And he... I guess, like, again, he's, like, 20 years old, but he kind of has the mentality of, like, a 12-year-old. Like, he's perpetually 12 because of the way Mark Hamill and his wife brought him up. And the other thing that I, I liked about this movie is that I don't hate Mark Hamill, and I'm conflicted about that because they were never cruel to him other than stealing him from his family and raising him in a bunker. You could tell that Mark Hamill and his wife, I should learn his wife's name if I'm going to keep saying that. Jane Addams plays April Mitchum. Mark Hamill and... uh, She played Mel on a couple episodes or seasons of Frasier. Someone that David Hyde Pierce's character, Niles, is in a relationship with. She's good at being kind of a demanding weirdo in that show. She's got like a Shelley Duvall kind of yeah, feel yeah. to her. So what we find out from Mark Hamill later in the movie is that basically Jane Adams just came home with Kyle Mooney one day when he was a baby. And Mark Hamill's like, I didn't really know what to do. So I didn't do anything. And 20 years went by and you're like, okay, that's cruel and terrible. But they never abused him or mistreated him other than again, stealing him from his family and raising him underground in a bunker, convincing him that air was poisoned so that no one would ever find him mm-hmm. you know like like aside from all the obvious psychological damage they were nice to him mm-hmm. they loved him and he loved them back and for that like i can't hate mark hamill like i was like uh, i'm kind of torn on him and then like how he keeps referring to him as his dad because of course he would it's yeah. been his dad for 20 years like if i came up to you and said hey you know your dad's not really your dad this guy's your dad now you're gonna live with him and he'd be like i I'm not going to do that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And and when it comes to the parents, the one thing I I didn't really kind of confused me a bit was the, the mom's response. So in terms of this whole, like Mark Hamill is the dad, what turns out to be going on is that he basically leaves, I don't know, quote unquote for work, but he's the one creating this show, Brigsby Bear to give the main character, James, I guess, some entertainment and also like educational stuff it's like he tries to teach him some things through brigsby bear which as the movie unfolds you kind of find out like are some of them are like age appropriate where it starts talking to him about masturbation and stuff (laughs) but yeah the show grows up as he grows up but what kind of confused me there is like the mom seemed to have some sort of issue with him being so into brigsby bear and i'm like what is she 
what is she wanting? Like, is she actually trying to groom him to go out into the outside world more? Because it certainly doesn't seem that way. But wh- I think, so I don't know what exactly what she's wanting for him. My opinion on that is she is sick to death of Brigsby Bear. She doesn't want to hear about it. She has to be his friends on the internet and talk about it on his like commodore 64 computer that he has and it's like her and mark hamill who are the internet to him and he talks to them on the message boards and Mm. they he finds out later that everyone on the message boards who (laughs) what were their screen names brigsby fan one brigsby fan two yeah every one of his friends on the internet was just mark hamill and his wife and i think her whole world it revolves around this stupid bear and the show like matt was saying is it's like educational so it's like teddy ruxpin meets barney meets sesame street i guess yeah i guess we're, we're like brigsby bear is like this gl- bear who travels the galaxy solving problems and his nemesis is this s- angry son it's like angry the teletubby son. son gone evil yeah yeah that's great that's that's perfect and like that's basically the plot of the show but apparently it gets very complicated because it's like in its 20th year and the lore and whatnot goes so deep and it's just ridiculous and it's the only show that this kid has ever watched and he gets a a new episode every week and it's all on vhs tape because i guess they can't update technology at all in the bunker can't be like, right. hey, uh, here's a DVD player. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I guess that's basically the plot of the movie. And that, well, then he decides that he wants to make new episodes of Brigsby Bear. He he wants to find out what happens to Brigsby Bear in like the final episode, basically. So he decides that he's going to make a movie. And Greg Kinnear has access to the evidence against the parents yeah so like props from the show right including that is all the props and so one day greg kinnear comes by the house and he feels bad for the kid and he like brings him all these props and he says you know here's here's this stuff kind of keep it on the down low because this is evidence (laughs) you know yeah but you know have fun with it and and i hope it puts a smile on your face and then the dad the real dad comes out and that's matt walsh who's a, a ucb guy and he comes out and says, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just I just brought this stuff for him from from the Brigsby Bear set. You know, I hope it like brightens his day up or gives him something to look forward to. And the dad makes like this amazing point where he's like, what is he says? These were tools used to keep my son chained and and taken taken from us for 20 years having this in my house is torture for me why are you doing this to us and greg Kinnear's kind of like oh yeah i really hadn't <laughs> yeah. thought about it that way sorry man yeah greg Kinnear just has that look on his face of right oh, the yeah. kidnapping I screwed yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. We, going back a minute though because we ended up going into the brigsby bear thing talking about Mark Hamill and and the mom. So you were saying what your take on the mom was was something else. And and I get what you're saying. Like she's annoyed. She she's tired of the Brigsby Bear thing. And fair enough. You know, even if you shot yourself in the foot here by kidnapping this kid. Like, what's your sense of of what she wants though? Like, just to like she doesn't know. She just knows she doesn't want Brigsby Bear anymore. Or like, I think she just wants him to stop talking about Brigsby Bear. Okay. It's um my wife and I talked after this movie was over and we're joking about 
like our kids. And when your kid's obsessed with something, it's literally all they will talk about. And it gets obnoxious. Mm -hmm. For a while with my son, it was Minecraft where like, I like Minecraft. I think it's a neat game. I'm not good at it, but I enjoy watching people who are good at it, play it. Mm -hmm. And my son likes to play it. But for about four months, it was the only thing he would talk about. Like you would bring something up and he would go, oh yeah, that reminds me of about in Minecraft where this goes. And you're just like, okay, please stop talking about Minecraft. <laughs> and even right now, he's really into that Earth Defense Force game. Yeah. So he's talking about that a lot. And you're just kind of like, okay, please stop talking about the the video game that you're really into and you and you really get it and you play along like you're you're polite about it and you and you're you're not like mean to them or anything about it but at the same time you're like please stop talking about this same thing we've been talking about for three weeks and the mom has the look on her face where because usually what happens is they get obsessed with something for a few weeks and then something else comes along and then right. they get obsessed with that nothing else has ever come along for the main character in this movie so it's only been brigsby bear always been Briz brigsby bear and always will be Brigsby Bear. And the, what doesn't help is that Mark Hamill is really into it. He's because he's making the sh Mark Hamill's making the show, and he, he takes the ideas from Kyle Mooney and turns them into the show. And like that's basically the story of the of the show is he just turns this kid's questions into the TV show so that Mark Hamill doesn't have to actually answer them for him. It's yeah. very confusing, but no, and, and I get. I get the annoyance. I, I guess there just may not be an answer because even the character may not be thinking about like, sometimes I'll ask people like, okay, you know what you don't want? What do you want? And they'll be like, oh, I don't actually know. I mean, I have that moments like that myself where I'm like, oh, I'm trying to change this or that. And then go like, okay, because I know I don't want this you know, thing A, what is thing B? And it's like, oh, I don't even know. And right. with the mom, it seems like maybe from both our angles, it's pretty clear she doesn't want more Brigsby Bear, but maybe she's not actually after something. I think, I think when I was watching the movie, I was more in the, in the, in the mindset of like, she's trying to do something like make him grow up into something else, maybe for some, some reason, like, so he can operate in some sort of maybe the outside world. Should he ever, should they ever decide they want him to like live more of a life or like into some sort of career, you know, like, Hey, you know what? You're trapped down here, but how about becoming a computer engineer or a physicist or something? Yeah. But maybe well, she they doesn't they're really into in math. Like he's, they're really into math. Yeah. Like he's got math homework to do every night and, yeah. and it's like complicated math. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I, I guess I was kind of with that in mind, kind of like, well, she wanted him to stop being about Brigsby bear so he can become a mathematician. You know, like I know a lot of parents with like kids who are really into video games in their teen years, it's like, Hey, you know, we want you to put that down more so you can move on to other things. And I'm just like, what is she wanting him to move on to? <laughs> and, yeah. and if they I, weren't going to let her let him out at all, like it doesn't even really matter that much. You just, instead of getting a kid that could grow up, you got yourself a prisoner and now you're bored because he's a prisoner. Yeah. I think it's, Probably a little bit of what you said and a little bit of what I said, where she's just, she doesn't want to do this anymore, yeah. but she, she can't stop. Like you can't get out of it. Can be like, oh, hey, you know what? Good news. The apocalypse is over. <laughs> the air's clean again. Get out of here. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> go, go do more stuff. Another thing is like throughout this movie, if you do like, you got to not take it apart too much because there's stuff that doesn't really work. Like he has all this Brigsby Bear stuff in his room and it's like, unless Mark Hamill has access to various factories where is he right. getting like a brigsby bear 
bed set and it brings you your like posters and hats. Exactly. And yeah. But again, it's kind of like Steve Suzu where you're like, okay, so sharks look like computer animated cartoons and things in this world just they don't follow all the rules. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of those props that the dad makes for the show, like how do, like the the one prop, which is just a stick with a rope on it. Like you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But he's got like this one plastic rock that lights up. Like where do you even, how do you even make that by yourself? I also like that he's got on the Brigsby Bear show, there are these two girls that are like twin sisters. Yeah. And he's, and he's in love with one of them. And when he gets out, he goes and finds the actress from the show. And she's like this, just some lady who works in a diner now Mm -hmm. yeah and he's he like wants to know about her and and all this stuff and she's she's never mean to him and she understands like she's very understanding and she's sorry that she did it but to her but when she's making the show he told her that it was for some canadian public access show right that that no one ever saw yeah again it's like real innocent yeah like she didn't go into anything going like oh we're gonna play a trick on somebody she's like oh i just thought i had a gig as a you know very unfamous actress and even when he shows up she knows who he is and what role she played into it and now that he's there she's like oh you're you're that guy um why don't we talk and they sit down and they have like a nice conversation and he's weird and but she's very kind yeah she's real patient very yeah way more patient than claire danes and (laughs) and when it's over he's like i love you he's like oh yeah by the way i'm in love with you bye she's like and then the cops show up and he goes yeah i'm an outlaw since the day i got out (laughs) like he gets arrested like every day and he like walks out and he's like i'll see you later and he like walks out with his hands up and he's like please don't tackle me but like again like the movie doesn't go down that cliched road where we don't have the scene where he's like asking her to be in the movie and she had and we have the sequence where she goes oh i don't know if i can do that again i i just don't think i can put myself through that we just go to the the final cut of the movie and she's just in it and yeah this movie wraps up like yeah hey by the way everyone everything works out perfectly <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's very like we know what we're doing here it's yeah. just gonna be here's a giant cupcake at the end even andy samberg's like you have no idea what he's dealing with in terms of mental health he's out He's not in the hospital anymore. He's in the movie. He got the he got a day off to go be in the movie. The parents are like, "Hey, while you were in the hospital and for some reason we didn't bother to call and tell you that we're processing things and understand you, we went ahead and like built a set in our garage yeah. and we're going to finish yeah. the show." I I did not have a problem with it. I was like, "This is terrible, but uh the movie's got to end." Well, so, uh, it would be terrible if the movie hadn't established very clearly throughout the process that like again, it's not working with all the rules. Yeah, it's, it's fantastical. Yeah, like it, it, and and the guy is he picks up on things he doesn't understand some things but he picks up on things enough to not be creepy like to not Mm -hmm. be insistent with the actor who played the twins enough that like at at the very beginning of the movie this girl gives him a hand job and he's like Mm -hmm. thanks i like that a lot (laughs) and and some of the lines there are very funny yeah there are a lot of like little throwaway lines here and there that are that's where a lot of the humor really is like those are the parts that actually made me laugh out loud and his delivery is really good but like going back to the rules thing he talks to this girl later and he's like hey uh you know i'm glad we don't need to get married or anything but by the way if you want to ever do that again she's like no 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 not gonna happen and instead of like being confused or frustrated or anything that might be 
pretty normal given the context of his life and everything. He's like, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he like, wouldn't understand. But the fact that he does, the fact that he's picking things up works better, you know, and he and his sister, even though they don't get each other at first, can start to get along a lot quicker than it would happen in real life. Even at the party, he goes to a party early in the movie and he doesn't yeah. know what's going on. But unrealistically, he's able to pick up on stuff well enough to still yeah. become friends with this guy that in real life they wouldn't become friends to, to yeah. pick up on slang that honestly would confuse him a lot more. But it, it's, it's sort of established like, okay, he screwed up, but he can adapt in a pretty unrealistic way. And that's going to make this movie kind of have this easier going tone. And, yeah. and so at the end, when everything wraps up, it's like, it's practically a joke that like, Hey, we're wrapping up like an 80s sitcom here. Everybody's yeah. learned their lesson. And it's fine. Well, it's fun. Like we even have, they even have the sequence where he looks at the stage and Brigsby Bear's there nodding yes at him. Right. And he like teleports away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man. So, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. It's not the best thing ever, but I really enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I was so surprised one going into it. Cause I, like I said, I had nothing going into it and left. I felt as good leaving that movie as I did leaving the Joker because it, it's not only a well, acted movie and and funny and and endearing but it's also very well shot like it's kind of it's pretty gorgeous to look at especially for a comedy like it's there's some interesting cinematography in there and it's just well done like it's well made and it's not cliched it's it's heartwarming without being saccharine uh i think is is a phrase and Yeah, it's it's endearing without I making you roll your eyes like you're just kind of like this was nice. Yeah, it's pretty like quaint and charming. And there there are a couple of moments that are like sort of touching. Like there's a moment early on when he is talking with the, the guy that they unrealistically, you know, become friends with where he just says, like, you're my friend. And it's it's nice. Like in yeah. that moment, I'm like, oh, he found a friend. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's going to be sad when this guy tells him he can't stand him anymore. <laughs> but right. That yeah. Never happened, That's what so I kept whatever. waiting for the whole time was that scene where the friend is just like, dude, you are a joke. No one likes any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and then we'd have like the scene where he's like, oh, and then he leaves all sad. And then the, the friend feels bad. And then. And then the friend gets everyone together to, to rebuild the show and then they surprise him with it. Kind of like what actually happens in the movie. But, yeah. but the, the friend never betrays him like that. And you just keep waiting for moments like that. And it, and it never happens. And I, it's just so it, – I just – I think I just liked it because it didn't do what I kept expecting it to do, which would be predictable. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a few of my notes that I just wrote as I went through and and in order. I'm gonna skip a few. So very first note, like two seconds into this movie, again I was expecting Nick was setting me up to watch something miserable. So mm-hmm. I'm watching the first few seconds of Brigsby Bear the show, and I, WTF is this shit? <laughs> next <laughs> next note. There's a good chance I'll never watch anything Nick suggests again. <laughs> next kidnapped. Next. Yup. Uh, something about Kimmy Schmidt. And then when is this movie going to break my heart? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, and then uh, I'm fearing the conflict and it just never happens. So yeah. And how unrealistic is this friendship? But the, you know, when it comes to the good stuff, I was like these, these lines, you know, where he's like, I'm not a real bear. Don't worry. And I, I don't even know who said this in, in now, but they were like, try to focus on your tragic past. 
I think he's trying to like give someone notes on acting in the show. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, there's a line. He's like, only touch your penis twice a day. <laughs> yeah. Even if you want to do it more, only do it twice a day. Oh, yeah. And one of my other favorite parts of this was the Google searches. When he's doing <laughs> internet searches, like what he's typing in for the searches really do fit for how someone who doesn't know technology and has been out of touch with things would approach trying to get questions answered on the internet. They're really fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're very like literal questions. What's funny is that while he's typing it out, the autocomplete pops up and like some of the stuff he asked is already there. Yeah. I thought that was funny. The one last thing I wanted to mention because I thought it was was good is at the end they're done making the movie and he goes to see mark hamill in prison and they sit down and they're they're talking to each other and the kyle mooney guy says well i just really have one question for you and mark hamill goes okay and then he tells like the origin story of how like they stole him and all that stuff and then kyle mooney just goes i I don't care about that at all and then he pulls out like a a big stack of papers and drops it in front of him and i thought that it was like legal stuff sign away the rights to all this stuff to me so that i can make this movie and it turns out that it's just the script for the movie And they need Mark Hamill to do the voice of Brigsby Bear because they've got everything except the voices. And so he pulls out a tape recorder and Mark Hamill goes, oh, okay. And then they just record it. And then like the final scene comes up and I was just like, this is nice. Like you keep like even with the scene where he's like when Mark Hamill starts telling him the story, I was like, he doesn't care about this. He's here for something else. Right. And then then even though I expected it. It delivered it well. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I kind of saw it coming, but it didn't make it any less enjoyable. Check out Brigsby Bear. It's it's quite fine. Well, and I think that says something, too, though, that at the end, like, not really expecting a conflict is like, that's how long it took me in this movie to get to the point where I'm like, oh, nothing very intense is going to happen. Nobody's going to be mean. And so I'm like, oh, no, he probably just wants him to do some something for the movie or like answer him some questions. So like, okay, so where did the sun God come from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, right. I like the other thing where, where the Mark Hamill's talking to the kid and he goes, oh, we talk, I talk to your mom via letter. And he's like, well, I mean, April, like we write each other letters and you know what? She solved that math problem we've been worried about for 10 years and he's like what he's like yeah turns out the answer is six or something like that and it's like such a stupid thing where you're like what and and then they're like oh because that's something that was important to them right before life interceded and pulled them apart and i i I, this movie really did it for me is it was good i was cracking up i liked it a lot do you have anything else for brigsby bear no no i'm good okay so the second movie that i saw this week is a little film entitled get out from 2017 written and directed by jordan peele it stars daniel kaluuya is that how you say his name Uh, alice williams Bradley Whitford and what's the mom? Kathleen Keener is the mom and Stephen Root shows up in this movie, which I didn't expect to see. And I think you've mentioned this movie once or twice that it's something that I needed to see. And Uh, maybe, maybe twice. And this movie was pretty good. I liked it. (laughs) I liked it quite a bit. It made you really uncomfortable. 
the whole time. And I don't really quite know how to take that. Like, I feel like this is a, a it's an African-American production for African-American people to be like, hey, like white people have Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And like 98% of the movies. Yeah, like all the movies. But yeah. like, but they're, they're white people problems in there. And then sometimes they address black people problems, but from a white perspective. Very much. Whereas- yeah. Where this movie goes from the from the black perspective, I'm assuming, I do not know what that is, because I don't have it, but I'm assuming it's a look at the world from a black person's eyes at the the white world. And it's a horror movie, so it's like it's it gets crazy. And like the whole time you're like watching this movie, you're like he's got like this one friend who who works at the TSA and he's just like, Do not go to those that white people's houses. Get out of that house. And I'm like I agree. Do not go in there. You're like, you're like not, nothing good can come of this. Like, like the minute, oh gosh, I don't even know where to begin with this. It's just so, it's so interesting. And you just feel so uncomfortable until the horror stuff starts to happen. Well, here, because, here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little uh, quick version of the plot. Please. So there's a, a young African-American guy who's dating a white woman who is played by the 20 teens version of amanda pete i just there's something about the two of them that they look very similar yeah to i me. said she looks like uh lake bell who's a an actress that, that i like she's like a comedic actress okay no no offense to this actress i, I just don't know her name i think she is a, a good actress so i believe uh, it's allison williams played rose Okay. And so what where we pick up into the movie is they've never been to to meet her parents yet. And so he's like, "Okay, we're going away for a whole weekend to meet these people I've never met before." And she's like, "Hey, just warning you, they're a little very white. Corn. They're they're very white, very corny, but they're yeah. nice. And they're they're not prejudiced. But they're definitely not, quote unquote, woke either. They're going to be, you know, my dad's going to tell you about how he wishes he could vote for Barack Obama a third time. And I think uh -huh. it does a good job of setting things up for an audience that might cross a pretty big spectrum of awareness where it's like, hey, white people, when you think you're being not racist, you're still being racist. <laughs> Yeah. And so she's sort of preparing him in sort of a gentle way for that. Turns out it's all a hoax anyway, but but, but they uh yeah. and then they go there and he starts picking up on not just that these people are not as woke as they think they are, but stuff here is nefarious. And then eventually he discovers that this whole thing is a setup for white people who have this very condescending admiration, if you will, for black people and then steal them. And, and basically implant their consciousnesses into they, they the black them. people's bodies. They buy them in an auction. Yes, that's true. And, but, is, but I mean, like, in terms of what they're doing for themselves as an individual is to, like, to take the African-American person's body and just be like, that's my body now. I'm going to be yeah. in, in you. The uh, white people have, like, a brain transplant kind of thing with the black person's body. Like, yeah. an old white person gets put into a young black person's body. Yeah. It's like, it's just um, using you as, like, a skin suit. Yeah. So, that's the big twist of the movie. And somehow it's been three years since this movie came out and it did not get spoiled for me. Really? I had no idea what, yeah, I had no idea what this movie was about. I knew like there was a lot of race stuff in it and it was like twisted and uncomfortable, but I did not know the, the twist. So, Hey, thanks world. 
Yeah. Now that I have spoiled it for you, the next people to come along. But I told you it was we warned happen, them, so you were you were warned. Going back to the beginning of the yeah. movie, what I like about this story is that there's a lot of movies that you could take a cast and literally pull characters out of the hat or actors out of a hat and say, all right, you're going to play this guy. You're going to play this girl. You're going to play this guy, even if it was written for a man or for a woman. And you could adjust the script based on who you have cast in the movie. For instance, like almost any Let's just go with a horror movie because that's what this is. Almost any horror movie, the cast, you could just throw up in the air and whatever, however it comes down, that can just be how you have your your cast. Like your main character could end up being this guy instead of that girl, mm-hmm. or your main character could be Asian or black instead of white. But it, what, what doesn't really matter in those movies is who is actually playing these parts, except to the producers who are trying to maximize revenue for a yeah, movie. Yeah, they're just like, who's going to sell the best? Right. And for the most part, I guess that means it's a white person because more... I don't know. It's more white people star in horror movies than black people. Well, more white Um, people are known because more of them are cast in the leading roles in movies. It's true. And so what this movie establishes is that your main actor has to be a black guy. And the antagonist of the movie has to be not black. Like they could be Asian and they do have some Asian people in it. Mm -hmm. And... They're also racist. They're just as, I don't want to say hateful, but because uh, it doesn't seem like they, they're, they're like racist in a hateful way, but they definitely don't see them as equals. No, they're kind of objectified and idolized in a way that's like dehumanizing. It's a little bit yeah. like in, in uh, It Follows, the way that the quote unquote best friend idolizes his love interest it's like everything he thinks or feels or thinks he feels towards her is quote-unquote positive but none of it treats her like they're her own autonomous like human being and here it's like yeah man black people are great because look at what they can do with sports and it's very functionalized like i like this thing about them oh no they're not people (laughs) they are the things that they do that entertain me right exactly like the one guy who's like it's very fashionable to be black now and it's Mm -hmm. like Jesus, Jesus. And there are plenty of people who believe that. And they believe that thinking that makes them not racist. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just because you don't hate someone doesn't mean you're not being racist. Yeah. And so... I think that's what this movie does really well is that Stephen Root ends up being the guy who buys the main character, Chris, played by Daniel Kaluuya, who is British, I believe, let me make sure I get this right after last week's fiasco with Jurassic Park because he's yeah he's from London really um, yeah because he's in a he's in an he's in like the boor- most boring episode of Black Mirror I don't think I've seen the one that he's in yet uh, it's the one with the, like the they have to exercise to earn credits in order to not watch commercials yeah no I haven't seen that one yet uh, it's I, I do like the episodes I've seen of Black Mirror some of them are are great and other ones are not so great anyway he does a great job as far as acting in this movie he's spectacular and so Stephen Root buys him and they have like this exchange where he goes but why 
why are you capturing black people? And Stephen Root's like is blind. Apparently he's a blind art dealer, which is interesting because they have an exchange earlier in the movie where he, he meets him and he goes, I hear you have a very good eye. And he's, he like describes the way he, he shoots his, cause Chris Washington is a photographer mm-hmm. and that's why Stephen Root wants him is cause he wants that artistic eye that he has, which I feel like plays into his brain. <laughs> like, like it's, it's not just his eye. Like you have to use, use his brain his like skills and his way of seeing the world but you know like now you're getting too deep with the movie so he that's why he buys him and he says i don't care about your skin color i it doesn't mean anything to me i just want your artistic eye and like in that moment steven root is the least racist person in this universe where he's like it doesn't matter to me that you're black to those other people it matters because they think they're buying a fancy car or whatever but to me i just want your eye you could have been anybody to me and i thought that was interesting I forgot what my point was to go to that. I also don't know if you're still connected I, to the I am, phone. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. What to, like, I, I'm kind of thinking about it because it's sort of like it, it at the just the words level. It's kind of half a step away from saying like, I'm colorblind. I don't see color, which is a bullshit sort of other kind of systemic racist sort of process. But I think in this sense, well, I guess what's implied there is like, well, he he's not concerned about the guy's color, but he's also not or or his race, but he's also not recognizing that like, oh yeah, I wouldn't be able to steal your eyes if it weren't for the fact that you, you know, are African American. But I also get what you're saying there, where it's like he's not well like he's not only, like I want to steal your eyes because you're a black person. He's just going, I just want your eyes. Um so yeah. I'm just kind of thinking about those things at the same time. That's why I'm quiet. I'm thinking. Well, I think I think he if the store he was going to sold white people that were also photographers, yeah. He would have he would have just as he he would have bought whoever the best photographer was. Yeah, no, I get I get that. Um, I get that. But and I, and I think you're right. I think that's true. I don't think he wants his eyes because of his race. But the, but there's the a certain thing kind of implied there too that like yeah, to you it doesn't matter. But he wouldn't be in this position if he were any other race right or particularly if he were white because the only thing that they're selling is black people right so he's the steven root guy is at the mercy of the the shopkeeper for lack of a better word because the market has determined that we're only selling black people because that's what most people want which is very i thought i thought it was fascinating where you're like oh there's a whole black market no pun intended to Uh um this whole situation where I'm sure there are people out there who would want to purchase, like, I want to spend the next 40 years as an Asian person to see what that's like. But like, I, I, they have that silent auction where they sell off the main character and he just basically holds up fingers. And I'm, I'm assuming that he's holding up fingers for like millions of dollars, like 1 right. million or $2 million. And one person goes for like $10 million. And if the next person they brought in would only go for $1 million because only this one person wants to be Asian, they're not going to bring him in because we're, there's no money in it for, for, uh, Bradley Whitford's family. It's a, uh, it's very, it's like an economics lesson almost. I and I love that. I think that that's terrific. It just adds this level of, 
of world building to the environment that I really was able to grab onto where like the, the joke of the movie is that it's, oh, we got all these crazy white people get out of those crazy white people's house. And then it just turns into, it doesn't matter that you're black other than the fact that people want you to be black. It doesn't matter to us. We, we don't, it's, it's like racist without being, like I said before, racist without hateful, but I don't know. I don't know. It, well, I, I think the one of the points you're making is, is a point that the movie is trying to illustrate to people that, you, that you're right, that it's like, this doesn't have to be, racism doesn't have to be a thing that feels like hatred to you. There is this sort of systemic racism that's objectifying and dehumanizing without feeling hateful. So I'm, I imagine there are a lot of people that went to this movie, a lot of white people that went to this movie, kind of like you said, like kind of proud of themselves for being so woke because they're not right. hateful, who the movie was maybe trying to, to illustrate something to in a way that's like, hey, by the way, all that stuff that you do. When you're like really proud of yourself for like not being so racist, a lot of that also has its own racism to it, its own way of objectifying and dehumanizing to it. And, yeah. and I think that's actually a really, that's a really cool thing that this movie does where it's like, yeah, this isn't a hatred motivated thing that's still very painful and hurtful. And, and I, I really like a lot of how the movie does it. One thing, one issue I do have with this movie, and I don't really know what to make of it. And I wish I could, maybe there are some interviews with Jordan Peele where he talks a little bit about this character, but like Chris's friend who is warning him like dude something about this doesn't seem right <laughs> i don't know if you should be going there there are aspects of that character that seem to me a bit like caricature-ish and I, he was i i did he was my least favorite character in the movie i i had off and on moments with him because there were certain jokes and stuff that he made where i'm like Okay, that's a pretty good point. Until he went to the police department and then it one becomes said, just a joke. Yeah, he just becomes a joke. And I was like, oh, this, this is making a wrong turn here. I don't care for this. Well, and then he kind of comes and rescues the day, saves the day at the end, at least just in terms of like picking up his friend. And mm -hmm. I kind of wanted the movie just to, to end where it did, where he's like, okay, I'm escaping. You know, like I, I, I got away from everybody. I'm going to get out of here and i'm like and maybe some of it is just i didn't want that movie to end on a joke because he's like i am ts motherfucking a and i'm like eh. right which is not a it's not a good joke no it's, it's not so it's not very good so and they keep playing it up the whole time where yeah and and that i was like for 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 some reason that some of it maybe i'm not quite sure how to put my finger on i'm like this doesn't feel like it fits for me and Maybe it's because so much of the movie is getting outside of stereotypical stuff and the character seems like a caricature. And maybe some of it's just that it's humor in a movie that is largely more, you know, it's got humor in, in, with the other characters in moments, but like largely it's, it's a very grounded movie. And that sort of took out some of the, the groundedness and the, and the yeah. reality feel of it to me. Yeah. Uh, the, what you just said, exactly. It, it takes away the weight of the movie a little bit. Yeah. Because they go back to him and we're like, oh, we're on our little TSA adventure now. Oh, we're going to make fun of this guy or laugh at him or, or not laugh at him because he's not very funny. But, but I don't know. I feel like Jordan Peele's such a, he seems like a very deliberate director that I'm like, I don't know. Maybe there's something this character is supposed to be doing that I don't understand. Or maybe I just want it to be. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I didn't care for him. I, I feel like he's in the movie so much because he saves the day at the end, where if if that wasn't how the movie ended, we wouldn't have that whole sequence with him with the police detectives and stuff. And I don't know how, what to make of that scene. Like, he's going in to file a missing persons report. Yeah. And they laugh him out. Yeah. Like, and, they start pulling in other people to, like, hear his story just to laugh at yeah. how goofy it sounds. And what I was expecting that whole time was for him to get killed because those are the, they're in on it. Like yeah. I expected them to be in on it. And at the end, they're just like, you're crazy white people. Ha ha ha. Get out. And then, and then he's like, oh, I guess I got to solve this crime on my own. And you're just like, okay. But like when, when he goes to file the missing persons report, what they, I feel like what they should do is take it seriously, but what are they going to do? They, they don't know where he is. They don't know who these people are, but they don't do anything about it. It's just such a waste of a scene. Like Maybe I feel there's... like it was just added to pad the runtime or just to make the people watching it. Like you said, like who is this movie for? Like who's the targeted audience for this movie? Is it, is it predominantly for african-american people or is it for is it for white people to see how the world is for african-american people because when he goes to the police station the lady working hit the case that he that he is she is also african-american so when she starts laughing at him i was like oh she's in on she must be a real she must be a white person underneath but no she's just a jerk i want to say that if i had to pick one and i don't think it is just one but if i had to pick an audience and go here's who i think it's primarily for i honestly think it is more for an african-american audience that where the movie's going like here's this stuff that we know happens and that we understand Mm -hmm. and that if a white audience is there they might get these things from you know, like it's, yeah. it's, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's for, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't feel like it's for a white audience. I don't think it's just to be a teaching tool, but it, it, it addresses things that people who experience them on a daily basis can go, finally, a fucking movie is, is saying what we experience. And yeah. I, I do kind of wonder now that we've been talking about the police stuff, I wonder if that's a bit of an, I wonder if that's a bit of an analogy or a, a hint to like, towards since it is police like interactions with police and kind of going like hey you know what there are some pretty legit complaints and they're not Mm -hmm. taken seriously you know like people are getting disregarded and hurt by police all the time and there may be protesters and people complaining about it but honestly it's not getting treated very seriously but i feel like that would be better done with a character who's not being hilarious at the time or trying to, or whatever, you know, like if it weren't humorous, if he were to go in and be like, hey, look, here I am, a reasonable human being explaining what's going on in a way that's not over the top and caricature-ish, and I'm not carrying a, a dog under my arm or whatever was going on. Yeah, I feel I feel like that character, they told him he was, hey, you're the comic relief of the movie. Even though nothing you say is funny, you're going to be funny. Like yeah. Just well, the way you are will make you funny. And I generally hate the comic relief in most movies. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I could have I could have done without him. I'm definitely a bit confused by him. And if that stuff with the police is meant to be something it, it is supposed to be saying something, especially if it's supposed to be saying what I was talking about, then I, I would have liked it to be a bit more ground. Well, too. it's it's the 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 humor that's intentional humor is definitely the ding on this movie for me. 
Yeah. The scene at the very end when the police car shows up and as the police car is rolling up, he's strangling the main character or the the girl. Yeah. And what you think right away is, oh shit, they're going to shoot him. Right. Like he's, he's going to die here. And you know, like we know he's in the right, but it's a white girl getting choked by a black guy in the middle of the night by a policeman. So the implication there is, oh shit's, shit's going downhill for this guy real fast because she even like reaches to the police car and is like saying help right help and he looks at the police car and he's like oh christ and then it turns out to be the friend who figured out where he lived because he's in the tsa doesn't make any sense but movie's got to end and so then you have like this moment of relief where you're like oh good it's not a real cop what what happens after this like like what's the what's the cleanup to this to this situation and that's that's not clear and like the movie's got to end and i feel like the end of the movie is where it gets real it really falls apart especially when he makes his escape from the chair the the hypno chair how's he able to get those cotton balls in his ear <laughs> i don't know he can't he can't reach his ear if I he could know. reach if he could reach his hand with his mouth he could undo those straps so i got a real big problem with that that didn't make any sense to me but uh. again movie's got a movie's got a movie but you did make a you, you did bring back up that police thing and that was an effective moment where the police car is coming up so maybe that's why he's there but i it, could i rewrite the script a little bit i'd be like okay mm-hmm. he it turns out to be his friend he gets in the car and they look at each other and go man let's get you out of here you know like just not a joke just don't put a joke in there yeah not needed well i mean it's a call it's also a callback to the earlier scene like after they hit the deer yeah and the policeman asks the main character for his ID and she goes off on the cop. Like, you don't need to see his ID. He didn't do anything. He wasn't even driving. And the cop's like, I can, I can ask for his ID. And, and the main character's like, here's, here's my ID. It's here. And cause he doesn't want to get into it and he doesn't want to be her soapbox. There's another movie. I can't remember what movie it is, but it, it has something to do with race and someone uses the phrase racial tourism or something like that, something along those lines mm. where she's for, for a long time. I thought the movie was going to be, she's dating this guy just to spite her parents where she, she's not really into him, but right. He's a prop she, for her rebellion. Right. She's like, now I'm, now I'm dating a black guy. Look how, look how intriguing I am. And she refuses to, he's like, have you told your parents? He's like, cause even if they're fine with it, I I think me rolling up out of nowhere might be might throw him off a little bit and she's like nope i'm not telling him and from his point of view he's like well that's weird but okay and then there's a, there's a lot of interesting race race stuff in it but um the other problem that i have with it is why is the grandmother their servant like the grandma and the grandpa the like, grandpa why is that their role why would they make them housekeepers yeah like i don't know Hey grandma, you've got a nice young body again. Clean our house. <laughs> and oh, serve man. us but iced that tea. Woman I know this isn't the point you're making right now, but it's so that woman's so good. Oh like, yeah, she's amazing. The smiling and crying and awkwardness is just uh Man, I, yeah. I, such an impressive performance moment. Yeah, that actually throughout this movie, a lot of the sort of side characters have some really interesting. And once you understand what's going on, you realize how how well crafted it is. The other guy too, who gets 
flashed with the light and starts acting kind of skittish. Just great jobs there. Yeah. Really good movie. Very interesting. Very thought-provoking. And um, there's a reason why I didn't watch this for so long. And... It's because I didn't want to have to think about a movie this much. <laughs> well, you that's know why I watched Boyka, because I don't have to think about that. Although I spent so much time thinking about Boyka. One thing, one other issue I took with this movie, and I'm, I'm, I feel pretty strongly about this, is that it, I want to know what the hell was going on with the skeleton deer that were in the preview. <laughs> like, where is that? This isn't the in the movie. In the preview, go back, uh, go online or something, check out the preview for Get Out, and you'll see this, like, scene with all these, like, I think there are a bunch of skeletal skeletal deer, like, running across the road or, or turning towards the camera or something, and it's just not in the movie. And I'm like, oh, no. what's that? I want to see it. I mean, it might not be relevant to anything, so it might be point uh, it might be a good idea to have cut it out but i know that was some interesting imagery in the preview and i was like i want to see that imagery more i want to see these skeletal deer oh i don't remember that at all yeah i also didn't care for the brother not because he's like immediately a dick but he's just obnoxious I, di- I just didn't care for that character at all like the first thing he says is is you know he's like he gets drunk and then he's like you know f- you're a black guy so with your physical gifts you could be a really good MMA fighter. And he's like, okay, I, I don't want, I don't want to do that. You know <laughs> what? It's just like, Oh, this is weird. I didn't like that character the first time through. I mean, you don't like the character. He's not a good guy, but I didn't, there wasn't anything about it that I, I was taking away that enhanced the movie the first time through, but I saw it again later. And like, once I understood, you know, what was going on in the movie, I was like, Oh, his behaviors are actually, they make more sense and are a lot more ominous the second time through. Cause you can, basically see that what he's really doing there is sizing the guy up kind of like like looking at him like a steak basically and going like hmm what am i going to do with you like if if right. i can get into this election or this uh auction and i can get you let me figure out what i can do with your body here let's wrestle and it, it kind of adds a little bit it's still a pretty disgusting character but like it has a little bit more like oh this is here for good reason i also i really liked kathleen keener the mom she's excellent in this she's so is it katherine 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 keener yeah she's so menacing and she seems like i mean because she has the power of, of hypnotism um <laughs> yeah she uh she's the most powerful person in this movie but she's terrifying and like that scene later where he gets free and she's just kind of hanging out in a study or whatever. And they both run for that cup because that's how she can control him is with the spoon sounds or whatever. Yeah. Like that's his trigger or whatever. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. That's cool stuff. I, 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 I like did her not... a lot. I, I There was a, a while back in like kind of a weird time in, in terms of like age and stuff. But like, I think I was maybe the end of high school, early undergrad that I really got into Catherine Keener and like looked up movies just that had her in them. I, you know, I don't think I was even aware of her until... Until forty year old virgin, she's in like being John Malkovich. I'm thinking of some like independent movies from back in the day. You're right; she was in forty year old virgin. I forgot about that, but she's she's a, she's a really good actress uh, or female. Yeah, actor. she's she's excellent in this movie. The girlfriend I thought was kind of weak, although I did like the twist at the end where he's like, "Get the goddamn car keys," and she's like. She pulls him out of her purse and she's like, you know, I can't give you these keys, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, cause the whole time I kept going back and forth. I'm like, she's in on it. Oh, she's not in on it. 
oh, she's in on it. <laughs> she's yeah. not in on it. And then my wife brought up a good point is at the end, when he finds all the pictures of her other black boyfriends in the closet that's open for no reason and yeah they're all inside that box after he gets tied up and put in the chair she's already working on her next victim yeah and there's like this there's like this cool shot of her sitting on the bed eating cereal and out of a bowl but drinking milk out of a glass definitely a psychopath <laughs> and but although while she was doing that i was like i wonder what that's like i'd like to have some fruit loops and a glass of milk i bet that's pretty good but she's like pl- plotting her next victim but behind her are all those photos that the boyfriend found of her other boyfriends on the wall in frames. And my wife and I were talking like, what kind of a maniac puts pictures in frames only to take them out like two months later? <laughs> like putting pictures in frames is that's like time consuming. That's like your whole afternoon right there. And she's like, put them all back up. I, I would have appreciated it more if inside that red box were framed photos of her other boyfriends because then it doesn't imply that she took the time to frame them all to put them on the wall it really it really took me out of it and then for some reason she has a gun and that that was the opposite of Chekhov's gun i think because i don't think feel like you see that gun in the house anywhere before she just has it for some reason yeah maybe definitely a cool movie uh i liked it a lot you have anything else for get out matt no that's it all right well now's the exciting time on our show where we get to our movie rankings list. So, <laughs> Matt, where are you going to put Briggs Briggs Bear. Bear? I am putting Brigsby Bear between The Witch and Happy Death Day to You. Oh, into your number 22 slot. Yeah, and just to point this out, Brigsby Bear is going two slots above Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Which you liked. Which I did. Yeah, I'm not trying to rag on it. I'm just saying it uh, surprised me. How many stars would you give Brigsby Bear? Hmm. Three and a half, I think. Oh, Brigsby Bear autocorrects to bring him here. (laughs) Or that. Uh, I'm sorry. How many stars did you say? You know, I'm I'm, I'm between three and a half and four. I think, uh, yeah, I'll just go with three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. And I'm guessing it is a recommend? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all you saw this week. Correct. What is John, or is Get Out on your list here? I think I reviewed it before that, so I don't think it is. Well, I'd say let's put it on there, but that violates the rules, which will be changing. Eventually. Next week. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, I've decided yeah. what, what it will be. Oh, okay. Um, but before we get there, yeah, I am going to put, starting from the top, I'm going to put Get Out in between Joker and Frozen into my new number 19 spot. I'm going to give it four stars and a total recommend. I kind of want to put it higher, but I did like Joker more. And I don't know if I like it more than Predator. I don't know. We'll see. This, this feels like a movie that I'm going to watch a bunch of times now that I've seen it. Mm-hmm. finally and then in the number 22 spot between john wick 3 and the velocipaster just above the velocipaster i'm gonna put brigsby bear and i'm gonna give this movie four stars i loved it i was kind of torn on whether or not to give it four or four and a half but after yeah. we talked about it i was like four stars seems good yeah and that brings me to my our new rule for the list so we're on week 151 of the list matt yeah exciting isn't it any movie that is on the list for 52 weeks is now eligible to be rewatched and re-ranked 
I'm not going to rewatch anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if you there, do, there you are can... some that I would like to re-rank, but I'm not going to watch it just to do that. I'm sure I'll get around yeah, to Jaws in the next 52 weeks from now, and I'll put you it back watch at it number again. one. Is Jaws not at number one for you anymore? I'll say I'll put it back at number one, right where it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, so for me, like I could move Mrs. Claus around, but or Robin Hood, watch it again. Prince of Thieves. Yeah, that's the only problem, is that you, the bad movies you have to watch again. But if it's a good movie, maybe you put it higher. But I'll start a new a new column here in my spreadsheet to keep track of its original ranking. So anything that gets moved will have an asterisk. Uh, I just listened to a review of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from I Hate It, But I Love It a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah? Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> All right, Matt, anything for Midwest Matt recommends? Yeah, actually, I, I uh, Scott had told me about a game on the Oculus. Uh, it's called Creed, you know, like a Rocky Creed, uh-huh. the, uh, Creed, uh, Apollo Creed, son. What's, what's uh, Adonis name? Creed is Adonis the son. Creed. Yeah. So there are a couple different boxing games on there and Scott had said that he liked Creed and I had a different one that felt kind of janky. Like I, I enjoyed it, but it didn't, didn't feel quite as good as a lot of the games on there do. Creed's really good. So if, if you, uh, have an Oculus, it's, it's probably the best boxing game so far. Um, I didn't know that there was a, a Rocky game for the Oculus, let alone a Creed game. Yeah, I don't know that there's any other Rocky. I don't think there's any other Rocky game. The The library for games on on the Oculus isn't huge, at least not yet. It, it's growing. But there are a few different boxing games in this one. Some of the games have a really, really tight feel to them. Like, it, it really mm-hmm. feels like it's the motion is going along with what you're doing it's pretty impressive uh for those who don't know the oculus is like a virtual reality game system yeah and i have the quest which is the wireless version and so like the real nice thing about it is is most of the movement in most of the games feels pretty accurate but when it comes to some of the boxing games the i'd say the creed one movement can get a little funky when you're trying to move yourself around like as far as like walking around but i'm starting to get the hang of that but the the punching and stuff about it is what you would want from this kind of thing which i think for a lot of people is probably the selling point of this kind of thing is where you can get some exercise but if you if you like for instance you nick have young kids and you're thinking about getting one don't get it for the sake of your kids because i think your kids have to be a certain age for it to really work well and for it to be a good idea mm-hmm. so anyway but if you have one creed oh, well you fun. talked me out of it i was gonna get one but now now i won't well get it have for you because have you vader immortal at the very beginning when you look up you're in like a spaceship and you look uh-huh. up through the ceiling and you see a bigger spaceship <laughs> it's like <laughs> like a uh, I don't know, Destroyer or whatever. And that's the very first thing I played on it. And I was like, wow, oh, cool. <laughs> Have you punched the wall yet? No, no, it's it's really good at what, what when you put it on to play a game, you can always reset this too. But you basically, you can see the room you're in, in like a black and white sort of kind of like with an Xbox One or an Xbox Connect, uh, but you draw a line on the floor to let it know where is the safe, you kind of outline safe space for you to be in, and it's uh-huh. good at letting you know when you're getting near the edge so you don't like knock over your TV or hurt yourself. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know they did that. Yeah, oh, thank God. Uh, if it didn't, <laughs> I, I would have destroyed myself and my television. Well, do you When you play the boxing game, do you, like, are you fighting Scott, or is it just against the computer? There is you can play against people um i haven't i haven't done it yet um he and i played some sort of sports game though and it was like tennis or something we played against each other and can 
considering he's in Germany too, it, it worked really well. We did a zombie game like last Friday and we were co-op shooting zombies in a horde. So I think with Creed you can box against other people too, but I've only played it on my own so far. Okay. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's fine. All right. If you would like to get in touch with the show and tell us what you saw in film this week, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on the social like our good friend Ivan did on Instagram. Instagram Ivan does things underscore all one word. He sent us a message saying, hey, guys, as always, love the show. And thought he'd send us a message and says he wanted to send us a message about the movies he's watched. And we were talking about the Taylor Swift documentary recently, and I'm paraphrasing him a little bit. And he says, I've been super consumed with documentaries recently. And he wants to recommend a documentary called Roof Culture Asia. He says it's about a group of parkour guys traveling Asia and touring and it says tuning, but I'm assuming it means touring and jumping on roofs. And then he adds, it's crazy. Yeah, Then he says, another documentary film called Film Worker, which is something that I just saw recently. I didn't see the movie, but I saw that it exists. Uh, Called Film Worker, which is about a guy named Leo Vitale, who gave up his acting career to work with Stanley Kubrick. He says, it's a great look into filmmaking and the people behind the scenes, and also about the decisions Leo made that would lead him to a life behind the scenes working with Stanley Kubrick. And then also, one last thing he says that he watched is because of the the filmmaker movie, he watched the movie Lolita that Kubrick directed from 62. Not the remake with Jeremy Irons. I haven't seen either of them. I just know that Jeremy Irons is on the cover of the remake. And he says the movie was very controversial at the time, I think because of the child sex. <laughs> but again, I don't really know what it's about. And he says to check it out. Oh, and he's got, I'm sorry, he's, he has another message. Last one. Ivan watched a lot of movies this recently. And he recommends a movie called, a Korean movie called I Saw the Devil, which was also recommended to me uh, by a friend recently, crap. which is supposed to be awesome. I just and realized just now. I also watched Parasite, but I'll review review that next week. (laughs) (laughs) I better put that in my notes. (laughs) Well, thanks for the message, Ivan, and reminding Matt that he watched the movie voted Best Picture this year. (laughs) Yeah. And then he quotes you uh, about judge movies, not people. LOL. He likes the quote. Nice. So if you want to tell us what you watched, send us a message and we'll read it on air and it'll remind Matt of things that he's seen this week in film. <laughs> uh, anything else for this week, Matt? No. Okay. Do you want a general impression of Parasite in 10 words or less? You know what? If uh, And this mostly to you. If you can watch it before next week, definitely do because I think it'd be a good conversation. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll do my best to do that. It's worth watching. I'll say that much. We'll put that on the poster. <laughs> Parasite. It's a it's movie. Worth watching. <laughs> you can see right. it. If that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. And like our good friend Ivan says, judge movies, not people. I'm trying to think of a joke to make about race relations, but nope, I'm coming up. Don't ever. do it. <laughs> but I'm so edgy. All right, I got nothing. Good. Bye. Bye. <laughs>